Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Compost. We are at episode 5-0. I repeat, episode 5-0. This is episode 50 of Social Compost. We pulled this off for one year exactly. Well, almost, yeah. We, we could count this as one year. Congratulations, Diego. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm really proud that we've actually reached this milestone. It's been so, a journey. Uh, have you, are you more proud of yourself? Are you more that you managed to do 50 episodes with me? And then are you proud of me that I managed to commit to 50 episodes I, of I'm proud podcast? of us, the co-commitment. <laughs> I'm proud of this co-commitment because I think if we both knowing our personalities individually would have done it, it would not have happened. So I am proud of us. And Jill, Jill, welcome to the show. Thanks for celebrating this. <laughs> love it. Today. Love it. Yes. So what are we going to do today? Yeah. Wow. We have so, so much to do. Yeah. We've already done a bit of a, you know, review, uh, done a few weeks ago on what we're expecting in 2022, what we're looking forward to. We've actually had some two exciting episodes with guests the previous two weeks, one with Ashwin locally here on his journey and with Saswat all the way from India, Bangalore. And those are very, very fun conversations, very enlightening to see where the space is going with entrepreneurship, technology, and just philosophy in general. So that, that was really fun. So that's stuff I'm looking to forward to doing more of in 2022. And tonight we'll also do something a bit fun, a bit different than what we're used to. We've been dabbling in the metaverse, the crypto gaming world, the crypto social media blockchain space in a while. And we're kind of going to share a bit of what kind of fun we've been having there, aside from just, you know, trying to earn some income, but just the content we've been creating, the things we've dabbled in and the games we've been playing. So we're going to open decks tonight. Yeah. That's, that's, gonna our, open that's, the, that's the fourth form. And, and I've been opening NV Top Shot packs together with Giano and Jenna most of the time. So we're two friends who've been opening NV Top Shot packs. We're actually going to open a rare gold metallic gold pack today. Diego is also going to open a Gods Unchained, which is kind of the new hive in the, in the crypto gaming space. So he's really big there. I haven't even tried it out yet. In 2020, there actually, I'm in conversations with, with some NFT spaces of doing promotions together. So that's really getting me excited. And I had a bit, yeah. In how many Twitter communities and because last time you asked me in how many discord communities am I and how many Twitter, yeah, I'd call them communities or are you? Because you're, you're more active than me. Here's the, like, the, the best thing about Discord is that you can separate the community. So you go into a certain Discord for a certain community. On Twitter, that's not the case. So I feel like for Twitter, you get more rewarded for being loyal to one community because that community only talks about that. And unless you're really a community lead, you, you have to commit. Like I'm, I'm very, very committed to the Hive community. So I feel like there's a lot of people that are following me on Twitter for Hive related stuff. But when it comes to the NBA Top Shot community, like the community leaders, the people that are big, 
with some of them. I have like, I've built up a relationship basically through being active and interacting with them, but it's not like there are people that are NBA top shot collectors that are like saying like, okay, this is, this is somebody I'm going to follow specifically for top shot because the biggest problem that I have is, yeah, I actually talk about too many different NFT projects on uh, Twitter at the moment. A quick shout out from Ruiz as well. Thank you. Nice having you here as well. Thanks for uh, the positive words. And so, so basically that's the answer, Diego. For me, it's, it's on Twitter. I feel like you can only commit to one or two projects. And if you're really active and you post about them daily, that people will interact with you on that. But if you're all okay, over so the place. Let, yeah. let, let's, let's reframe that a bit. How, if you had to compare Twitter versus the other traditional social media, like Facebook, Instagram, how would you describe your activity? compared to the others on Twitter. Oh, Twitter is full crypto and NFT. And there's, there's a big difference. Like on yeah, Twitter. Like, and how yeah. also if you look at it content wise and time wise that you allocate, how does that differ from the content you create traditional? So I, I've made a commitment that I was going to go into Twitter more this year. I kept into that commitment. I think I've been more active on Twitter than on LinkedIn or on Facebook for the past couple of months, but I've also accepted that on Twitter, I'm not going to talk about Suriname. Mm -hmm. On Facebook, I'm going to talk in Dutch, like except for social confluence, but all other content is just going to be in Dutch. Facebook is there for my own country, for Suriname, to support Surinamese locals doing awesome stuff. And Twitter is really for crypto metaphors. So I think. That's, that's the way, uh, Ruiz, utilizing Twitter is really for, for like, for an average service person, utilizing Twitter is two ways. One, connecting with your international audience. My first international speaker at the, that we got for the social media conference here now, the first international speaker, all from the U S the first person that we brought was from the U S Jennifer Radka. We kept in touch through, through Twitter. Like for four or five, yeah, for actually for three or four years, we kept in touch through Twitter. And then I reached out to her saying like, Hey, uh, do you want to speak? You're actually the head CEO of the National Institute for Social Media in the U.S. Would you come over and speak here? She was like, yeah, sure. Of course. And that happened to Twitter. Our first international client for Inevitable, also from the U.S. Happened through a Twitter DM. So like for international interaction for people having the similar interests that you have, Twitter is awesome. Like LinkedIn is more kind of the professional network and Twitter is more like communities. But here's what happened. I was more in the social media community on Twitter and then I transferred to the crypto NFT space. And it also makes it a little difficult because you just let go of, of the social media aspect. Like I don't tweet about like how to use social media and those kind of things anymore, but I did manage to incorporate social media with crypto. And today we had Twitter spaces. I was in my first Twitter space today. That was as a, as a speaker or as yeah, also as, as a speaker, a guest, guest speaker. I got to co-host a bit as well because I wanted to know the functionalities and another Jennifer Navarrete who's e-podcaster, she kind of guided everybody through the Twitter space and how it works. So, and that's interesting because today is episode 50 of Social Confos, but it's also 
It was today was also episode 75 of the Hive Chat, which is the weekly Twitter chat on Tuesdays. So and that's a little different because I don't have to host that. We don't like we host every week. Tweet chat, the tweet chat, Twitter, the Hive chat isn't hosted by the same person every week. It's a different Hive owner that kind of hosts the show every week. And just to quickly add to that Twitter spaces, Twitter community, there's actually people who are running their podcast shows in Twitter spaces. And yeah, and they're trying to convince us to do social consoles the same way. Yeah. So it's something we should consider in uh, next year, because basically I, last week, uh, we had our weekly bottle at FAT, uh, Ashwin was with us and we talked about uh, the NFT drops and everything. And I told you about how I got a POAP proof of attendance protocol from a podcaster, actually a uh, NFT influencer in the Twitter space who does his podcast on Twitter and actually rewards people who listen in live with you know, uh, such a POAP and oh, this POAP actually okay. granted people to be early access whitelisted to the Adidas collaboration drop, NFT drop, Whoa. just Whoa. by, you know, participating in his live podcast. And so you bought an Adidas sweatshirt for, for $800. I bought the NFT. <laughs> I, I'm just buying <laughs> it. I'm just willing to buy the NFT, yeah. which was ridiculous because when the live sale went, uh, yeah. another friend of mine also, he, wa he didn't have the early access and he wanted to do the live sale. So the timer went down and within, you know, a blink of an eye, the buy now button became, you know, sold out. What? Yeah. yeah. They couldn't even click the button. Wow. So I, I was really fortunate to have and you, and just to go, just because you went to a Twitter space, just because I went on a Twitter space and this is the awesome. podcast. Okay. Before, before we continue, let's quickly get into the, to the comments. Uh, Tevin says he's the first time he's watching this on Twitch. So that's very interesting as well. I like yeah, Twitter a lot. Twitch is another interesting yeah. space that yeah, uh, I, I, I really love it now. It's difficult because difficulty pushes to gain following. So. Twitter, like the, the, the real, the real thing about Twitter is like, I was just explaining to Luis, like communicate in English. If you really want to go somewhere with Twitter, if you want to do Twitter locally, like there are a lot of Sudanese people on Twitter, but they post complete rubbish and it's personal. So even if you've got to interact with them, they'll be like, uh, we don't want to interact with you. We use it for our fun. We use it to troll, to talk about sexual preferences, to talk about anything, which is personal and basically none of your business. So I wouldn't really get into the Twitter space locally, but if you want to, if you go to conferences internationally, if you're in a lot of international programs, series, like programs that you are in, it's a great way to keep in touch with your international uh, friends and connections on, on Twitter. And it's a little less formal than, than like LinkedIn, for example. Also getting a shout out from Ruan, Ruan, thank you for joining in as well. Uh, and thank you for the congratulations. We're, we're really happy that we, uh, we made it, made it this far. So I think for me, Twitter is also another thing that happened is I started giving away stuff on Twitter because it was easier to do it on Twitter. And I actually wanted somebody who has done a lot of giveaways on Twitter to also speak at a social media conference, because I think it's a really interesting space, but. I think for most people, a lot of people that are very, very social media savvy, 
on Twitter and the NFT space, they don't feel comfortable with sharing their knowledge because for them, it feels new. But from a social media perspective, looking at like how NFT projects use Twitter to really market their products. I think Twitter has blown up thanks to NFTs, you know? I think Twitter has caught some growth against Instagram and Facebook because Instagram and Facebook just aren't that great for marketing crypto. I think it's also more that direct line of communication that makes it appealing for Twitter because DMs are opened for people you would not be able to reach on LinkedIn, reach on yeah. Facebook. DMs are open for these people on Twitter, especially if you know, and I'd say the following doesn't really matter that much. It is the common interest, the common space, the common community, and the, you know, the things you post, the things you share. And if you share something in, in their DM, you'd be surprised what you get. And there's a lot of giveaways. We talked with Saswat last week and I mentioned, you know, he interviewed Andrew Warner, one of the bigger podcasters in the States, 1500 podcast episodes, uh, interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs and he had uh, like, uh, like a giveaway for his new book about how to have conversations, etc. And he just posted on Twitter, drop a comment here, etc. And like a few days later, they went through the comments. One, his uh, content manager or something reached out to me in, in a DM on Twitter, send me the content like that. And with that, you know, you have a uh, contact established there. So yeah, it's quite interesting. Nice, nice, congrats. So Devin quickly wants to talk a little bit about DM NFT spamming. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's one of the downsides, but on the end, you get a lot of opportunities as well. About NFT spam, I'm actually surprised. I don't get any DM spam on Twitter. Oh, I don't. Enough. I have only get them on Instagram. Folder? Have you checked your folder of requests, message requests? Our Twitter does a damn good job of filtering this out. But yeah, better than Instagram. Instagram and Discord, yeah. Better. Those I get is terrible. Discord is terrible. But I, I have not had that issue on Twitter, actually. Go through your message requests. You'll be surprised. So I actually recently went to my message request and I found a very interesting message in there. And then I went to LinkedIn to find like the head of marketing of that project. And I reached out on LinkedIn to the head of marketing of that project and he responded to me. So they're also on LinkedIn is also very underrated. Like if, if, if especially creators that are big on other platforms, they have like millions of followers on, on Instagram and TikTok. And on LinkedIn, they're quite small. They have like a thousand connections, not that many. So you can easily reach out to them. I've reached out to a couple. I can't um, tell yet who responded and who did it, but basically I reached out to a couple of my, who I consider my idols, like in a business sense, in a creator sense. And I'm hoping that they will respond. They might not respond, but at least have the personal message hoping that they will respond. And that's actually kind of how I, there are some interesting people that I'm connected with on, on LinkedIn. I'm connected with a very, very popular international magician. I'm connected with an NBA player. So there are a couple of interesting, interesting connections that I connected with them because I felt like in the future, there could be a partnership when I feel like there's a project that's big enough for them to be of interest. 
because I also feel that's that's another thing about about these projects and about the NFT projects and hyping people up and connecting. I don't want to connect with somebody and then go for an ask because yeah, I, I think like, can you, it's not interesting for them. That's, that's also one of the things that I've learned is like a lot of people, and that's maybe also why I haven't reached out to more people to be a guest on our podcast. You do want to be sure that you provide value for them as well. If you invite somebody over to the podcast to talk a little bit about, if it's somebody who has that, that 10 times already, they're like, yeah, what's, what's it going to be? Like why? Yeah, it's just finding that balance of filter because on the on the flip side, there's actually a lot of people who are you know egging to actually share what they know, but they they don't have an outlet. So that that's also a flip side. But yeah, I do understand that hesitance to reach out to certain individuals and to because you yourself feel like, uh, am I spamming? Am, am I crossing the line, etc. So yeah, if it doesn't feel right, yeah, don't do it. You know and. And speaking of, I, I just checked my Twitter DMs and yeah, I, I have no spam whatsoever. Actually, one one I do have is about a sale something, but no crypto related spam whatsoever, not in the message request. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So what, what do we want to do today? We'll continue on with the reviews. Do we want to open some packs? Do we first want to talk a little bit about what 2021 meant for us, how we approached the year, what kind of happened in the year, or do you just want to open up those facts? I think we can do the, the, the win like of 2021 first, like briefly, and then move over to the facts. So to kick that off for me, like 2021 was, you know, I, I just got back at the end of 2020 from New Zealand. So. For me, 2021 was more like a fresh start of trying new things. And the podcast was the, the, the highest priority, I, I, I suppose, coming back from a year hiatus, let's, let's call it that, a year hiatus and kind of kickstarted my, let's call it creator journey by creating and publishing content for myself. So, and it's kind of, to my surprise, it's working out in different ways than I expected. So the, the podcast is one thing of consistently recording, releasing an episode every week, and then kind of repurposing this content on, on the different platforms, with I, which I did for a while, but I didn't really feel it. So if you notice my LinkedIn post, I kind of dropped out from LinkedIn because I felt like it was kind of to repurposing and the algorithms of these companies kind of make it harder for you as a individual creator who's, you know, still on the rise to break through because you, you got to compete with the algorithm and also uh, have original content. So that, that was kind of uh, missing out, but then you explore other spaces like Twitch, uh, cause I, I, I enjoy gaming a lot and Twitch is the gamer community, but I, I, I. I'd say I consume as much Twitch as YouTube right now, if, if we're talking content wise. Well, well yeah. that's interesting. That's so, definitely interesting. And, and compared to the growth that you've had on Twitch versus the growth that you're having on, on YouTube, what is, what is that balancing? So like YouTube, I, I think total subscribers is around 150 now, but starting the year, I was already over a hundred subscribers starting the year. 
And so maybe we grew with 40, 40 subscribers over okay. a whole year. And on Twitch, I got like 50 uh, followers within two months. So okay. the, the, the engagement, it also depends on which, you know, channels you engage with and the communities you find, but I find it easier to, because it's also live content to be on Twitch than on YouTube for content creation purposes. And of course, sometimes they go hand in hand. I see other Twitch streamers, you know, repurpose their streams and create YouTube content out of that to, you know, funnel traffic from one to the other. So how much cards on chains? How much gameplay that you stream on Twitch have you uploaded to TrueSpeak? I have not uploaded anything on TrueSpeak yet. We, we, we will go on Hive, but we're, we're talking about content creation and yeah, I don't even need to start with video yet because I am actually creating content on Hive, written content right now. And it's actually quite easier than compared to the podcast contents that I was trying to repurpose on LinkedIn to actually just document my gaming experience with Gods Unchained on Hive. So for the past, what, six, six weeks now, I've been creating content on Hive on a weekly basis and it's actually paying off. And also partially because the, the community lead from the Gods Unchained is really, you know, onboarding many people and encouraging people to create original content on the platform just to show them that there is an alternative than just YouTube and the traditional spaces to have an income by doing things you enjoy. So yeah, that's on the content creation side. Yeah. Yeah. So that's from a personal side. I think from a more broader perspective, I think decentralized spaces are starting to wait and gain traction. Like, like decentralization is winning. When, when. I'm, I'm looking at from different perspectives. Creators are winning, like even for Ruiz, might not consider himself a creator who sound like really because it's one of the things that he does, but he's being asked for projects as influence, as an influencer to kind of share products or a certain thing that the companies want to show to a certain audience and they can't, or they cannot as easily reach that audience as he can, and then companies use him as his, his, and his platform to actually reach others. I think it's a very interesting space because a lot of people misinterpret influencer, like they look at somebody like, for instance, the NFT influencer that got you, uh, 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 early access to the Adidas NFT. Like if people hear about him, they're probably like, yeah, I, I don't really care for that, but. They're not in that community. They don't value the same things as he does. And I think that's a very interesting thing that I think people are starting to become aware, like there are certain interests and there are certain communities specifically for that interest. And it's been easier now than ever to reach. If you have a certain interest that you can reach out to somebody in that community. And they are more than willing to help you out if you just ask them for help. And I think you don't even have to ask them for help. You just check what they do and understand and become part of it, interact with them and you become part of the community. And I think that's a very interesting development where it's okay to be part of a niche. It's okay not to be like part of the mainstream thing. And of course, COVID kind of accelerated that process a little bit as well. 
just to, to wrap this up, funny thing about that crypto G money is actually most of people don't even know his face in the online space. He actually, he, yeah, he owns a board ape. No, not a board ape, but a punk. And that's actually his identity. And even in the video sessions that I think he was a speaker at NFT NYC in all the video footage, every camera angle, his crypto punk was overlaid on his face. So his face was not even broadcasted to people looking in digitally. So that's kind of that identity thing we talked a, a few times about that it has become their identity online. And that's what people kind of, you know, relate to trust in and not even being superficial and, you know, ju judging a person by, by that, but just under contrib their contributions within the community. I can go really deep, very better with this kind of social identity aspect from scientific approach, but we're going to leave that for, for yeah. another time. But we're going to leave that for another time. Okay. Question by reasons actually, do we have like statistics, listening audio? So like one of the things that I can tell about like these live sessions, we do notice if we have a guest, like a guest from Suriname in, we know there's a spike in the live sessions, like more people follow those live sessions. We are very well aware of it. The funny thing is that when we started out, we got a lot, a lot of people tuning in locally as well. We have some international guests. So thank you for joining in again, Raul from Fort Lauderdale. And Ruan was also joining in from the Caribbean. So I think it's interesting to see how people approach this. I think for most people, it would be nice locally if we just spoke Dutch, but I think what I'm definitely going to do more with in 2022 is spread the content and distribute the English content to other outlets where we haven't even started to distribute you. And also more getting traction on Spotify. I'm really interested if we start kind of promoting Spotify or promoting the website, how that traffic flow is going to go. Yeah. So regarding the data, that's a fair point. It, it, the live sessions really are dependent on who we get on and kind of their localized following for the people who tune in. And obviously there's some people who tune in every week because that's a very niche. But I think there's kind of where we have, I'll, I'll call it kind of a, a identity issue still, because we are kind of still widespread in the type of topics we pick. And that doesn't quite resonate with everybody, especially if it's someone from outside who the local community hasn't heard about at all. So. We have noticed that those episodes tend to perform lower locally. Yeah. And we, and we kind of, we got excited for having a guest who built startups in Mexico and, and, and in Latin America or someone who lives in Singapore. That's kind of like what excites us, but it doesn't have to be the, the same thing that excites others as well. And we do have to find a direction, but I think also we decided this year not to too much make it work and see how things develop over those 50 episodes. What, what would you say if, if you look at the, the last 50 episodes and if you measure up the, the international guests we've had and the local guests, what would you say the key, 
key difference was in type of interviews you've had? How, how, how do you feel? Were they like, do you think they were more similar or was there a, yeah, see, something the, the that thing is very different thing, in the, the approach? The thing with local guests is, and, and even if it's a, a Surinamese person living abroad, it's, you feel closer connected from a personal level. Like you feel a little bit more relatable in a sense of a kind of identity. But for the international guests, it's kind of, I get excited because we get to talk about stuff that we usually don't talk about, but I'm not sure. And I think it's, it's good to know about how guests, but also listeners, not just the live viewers, but people who follow the podcast afterwards and download the podcast afterwards, it would be for me very interesting to see like who actually jumps on like a week later to listen to a, to an hour of podcasting on a specific topic. And we've not even yet experienced, experimented with actually, I wouldn't call it clickbait, but kind of the titles of the podcast, focusing on specific segments of the podcast. We've basically, we've just documented and created for a year. And for me, 2022 is going to be the year that I'm just going to dissect all the 50 podcasts and kind of take the gold bits out of it to kind of improve the experience as well for people who aren't like, we want to listen to everything. Because yeah, that does take a lot of mental energy and mental work to go through all of that content. And if you, if you look at it an hour, we, we talk for an hour, but if you really, really, really dissect it, you'll be busy like three to four hours with that one hour to actually get value, true value out of there. Yeah, but that's something that you need to do. I mean, like there are, there are bits that now watching this live have a lot of value because it's fun. But if you listen back to the recording, it's like, okay, we can't skip over this. Mm. So the best way is to just dissect the things that are really important. And social media, you don't want to waste people's time too much. So you do want to dissect it into what's interesting until we reach to a point where you can say like the whole freaking 60 minutes is interesting. And there's a dull moment because you keep on rapidly going. And basically the problem with that is you kind of let go of the creative. You kind of structure everything, go 60 minutes, go hardcore. Also, you have to go for guests that want to go hardcore for 60 minutes and want to give the most optimal value of their time in those 60 minutes which kind of takes away from also keeping it light and keeping it a social conversation. Another question that was asked is about the EU time zones. Like if you're a central European time, for instance, we've had guests on where they actually stayed up until the night to actually do the live session at a regular time. But we've also had guests that we switched our time. Yeah. In the second half of the year, we actually accommodated for this to at a, a secondary time slot. So kind of that's how we alleviated that a bit because there are people in, in those parts of the world that we'd like to, you know, converse with as well. And that's the downside about live sessions because the, the, the time zone different is something you will, that challenge is something you can't get around. So that's why we added a different time slot. Okay. And of course, once that's recorded, there's always the the episodes on the website that gets released afterwards, which you can listen to anytime. So, yeah. so I do want to ask a question because a lot of what we do now, is a bit tribute to me, giving valuable information for people to listen afterwards and people who actually tune in live. 
So if you look at 2022, gathering the information of the 50 episodes that we did now, would you say we work on getting as many people on in the life as possible, talk with as many people on the live, and then uh, redistribute it afterwards, make the audio better? Or would you say like, we're just going to get on to record actually the audio version and we're focusing more on that and people get to see the behind the scenes of how we make the audio version. I think the second option is something that feels to have more value for me because these live sessions are indeed a more a behind the scenes. And if, if we were to go like the maximizing the live session, the, the value out of that, then a different platform and a different approach would be more recommended something like uh, Instagram live or a Twitter space where you can actually accommodate that kind of interaction because yes, we integrate the, the viewers comments in these shows, but generally it is still a social conversations amongst us. And when we have a guest amongst the guests with every now and then a comment from the, the chat to have them included. But it is more of a like behind the scenes and I've, I've seen both work. I've seen other podcasters actually do this as well, you know, zoom sessions, etc., where they invite people and they, they do record a live session, etc. They have their show with kind of a, you know, live studio audience, so to speak. And, but it, it is still their show and with their flavor. So I think for us, that's also the approach we might experiment more with in 2022. Not sure if you agree or share that thing. Uh, yeah, because then, then you're going to look at the sentence. For instance, now we have the opportunity to either a Jerkwins or a Mikewins build up a podcast in studio, kind of do sessions like together. Still have the StreamYard set up with multiple angles and multiple cameras, but actually have, especially when it's a, a two-person session, that we could actually recorded fit in a physical location as well. So these are kind of things that, that all of us are but believe me, logistically, digitally, if you did done this, it's harder to go back to the other one. Yeah, of course, of course it is. Of course it is. But that's the question we are all production wise, you have a lot of options and, and especially if you're going to do this every week, we must say five years, like it's, it's something that you can. You can definitely consider having actual live podcast in space. So oh, yeah. So it's something that for me, of course, I'm gonna improve this rule right now. I'm not really when it comes to tech. I lowered my standards compared to the beginning of the season. But that's mainly to the internet connection, mainly to unforeseen circumstances that I was like, is that really that important? But it's something that I do want to production wise improve on in twenty twenty two. So it's something to consider to also have like a live studio where we could record it. And would you consider that an ultimate goal as Ruiz says? For me, it's not really an ultimate goal. Like the live studio, the, the things that come with it are bonuses for me. And I won't per se say that there's an ultimate goal, but just having these sessions is in itself a reward for me. Okay. So, so I'm going to go a little bit deeper into social consoles. You can tell, I think more from the console's perspective, 
because she has a broader goal with, with consoles. For me, it's like, I want people to lose it all. Like really to lose it all. And for me, social consoles is that I want to be able to have like higher level guests in our show that in our show talk about stuff they don't get to talk about usually in other shows and other podcasts because people get hired, people get booked for their speciality, their niche, their expertise. But we don't often get to see the authentic person behind it. You don't talk about it too enough. And I think a lot of people like Joe Wilder because he somehow dives into that. But I don't want to go two and a half hours, three hours as well. It, there doesn't have to be that many golden nuggets. It's in like aha moments as there are in like a Joe Rogan podcast. It also, we are not as entertaining. Like if you look at the Dave podcast, Dave Ananda was uh, a guest at our show. If you look at his podcast, there's high David value. Also largely because of the personality that Dave is. And I don't feel like we have to replicate anything like that or like what's not international. I just want to have general casual conversations with people that usually are too much focused on the professional side and the business side. Let's just have some fun. Yeah, Ruiz, you are already on the list. So hit me up whenever you're back and available. And maybe you can even be the first guest in 2022. Oh, so that one, that slot, that slot has been booked, I think. This ah, well, yes. you but, have but I can, I can definitely join us in, uh, in January. As well, I would love to have Luis on as well to share his latest travels and how it was as well. So I think, I think for me, it's, it's, it's also about having like a casual conversation because a lot of these shows tend to go towards a certain specific topic. A lot of the podcasts want to get knowledge across and we do want that as well, but we also want it to be a conversation between two people. Yeah. And coming to the bigger convos picture, the, the broader convos picture, that, that was it originally. You, you actually said it, a casual conversation. That was the very first name of the first show, casual convos. And that was about it. We only, you know, went more specific as we see, we're talking about certain topics more and more and, you know, categorize them and group them nicely together to add some structure to it. But. At the core, that is what we're trying to do. Have a casual conversation regarding money, have a casual conversation around having, you know, a business creating stuff. And yeah, people should just be able to talk about what they want, when they want. And, and I think there's still a lot of growth, a lot of opportunity, a lot of guests. And I think the biggest, for me, the biggest thing in 2021 was see what we could do when we just commit for 50 weeks. And now that we've committed for 50 weeks, there's kind of a base and that's the minimum I want to achieve. And yeah, in 2022, there's, there's going to be an upgrade at, at certain levels. Definitely. I feel like that's something that I'm big on as well. And especially from a distribution perspective, as you guys will see a, a different series. And speaking of committing, I think it's high time to commit to opening some packs. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're going to start off with the easy one. We're going to start off with Splinterlands. I wanted to open this pack on stream because people will be surprised to see the, especially the graphic design behind 
behind crypto gaming. Okay, so so while Diego shares his screen, we, uh, yeah, we uh, let me get mine up. Um, we're gonna go into Splinterlands. What it's about? It's for me personally. Even though Diego will say by now, God's Unchained is his number one crypto game, but for me, Splinterlands is the biggest crypto game in the world. I'm a little bit biased because it runs on the highest blockchain and there are over 1 million owners, Splinterlands owners. So without further ado, Diego, you can go ahead and open your pack. Yeah. So just to uh, put some context, this is actually my very, 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 very first pack. Awesome. Um, they have, they're, they're, I think they're doing an expansion launch now. So how it works is basically every few years, months, they have a set of packs and then they release over time and they're, they're having a campaign now with releasing new cards in the ecosystem and you can buy these packs and there's a whole, you know, stuff you need to do, stuff you need to stake. It's a whole thing, but I managed to get uh, a pack thanks to Shanduk's help. So my very first, uh, Splinterland pack. Have you seen a pack Chaos opening? Legion. Have you seen a Chaos Legion pack opening? Have you seen it? I'm going to see it right now. Live. Awesome. With my... awesome. Right. Oh, nice. And everybody who's watching can also see it. Okay, cool. So, uh, walk me through this. So we, we got so you drag the, you drag so the pack. buy some potions here. So do I, yeah. So I, the reason I asked you to buy, buy potions because I didn't do that because I didn't know how potions work, but basically you have a, a, a very good shot at, I think a 5% chance of landing a legendary card and a 5% chance of landing a gold foil cards, which of course are worth more uh, in the marketplace. And you basically just drag the pack from the bottom left into the well. Okay. And I don't know if you have your sound set up, but if you have your sound set up, it looks yeah, yeah, really, 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 really nice. Okay. Do I need to use the potion? No, basically the potions are already being used. You can see that they're filled up. So you have five. You can hover over them because that kind of gives. Oh, 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 Diego, Diego, yes. you yes. have three. You have three really good cards there on top. Oh, you might want to open. Yeah, you you, you might want to open up the bottom two first, and then right. get into the exciting cards. Yeah. Got your first gold card. Oh, in your back on the opening, you got a gold file card, which is a pretty, pretty cool card. Uh, that's actually a card that's really nice to you when you have low mana games and you can attack from anywhere. And the, the bottom right one actually repairs your shield. So mm. if you have shield and it repairs the shield of, of, of your monster. So that's, and these are your lesser cards. So this is already exciting. Get this gold foil. That's so you have exciting. a gold foil, and I probably think the gold foil is already worth more <laughs> than what you paid for the fact. But let's continue. All right. So from left to right, right? Let's go. Yeah, go from One. left to right. Rare. Okay, so that's okay. it's a rare. Okay. Second rare. Rare. And is that an epic? That's an epic. Indeed. Okay, so you got two rares, an epic, and a gold foil in your first pack on opening. I mean, these are like, and, and the ones that you have are kind of, they're low mana as well, so they're easy to use. So that's pretty cool. That's really, really, congrats on your first gold foil. You have a gold foil, two rares, and, and one epic. I mean, 
Well, that's a- lucky. I'm lucky if I get more than one rare in, in my pack opening. Hey, you told me to use potions, so. Yeah. So you, this is why you use potions, basically, to get that gold, that gold file. So I think I should share my screen as well, because I'm also opening up. All right. Yeah. So Splinterlands on the Hive blockchain, if you guys are in, interested in gaming, definitely check it out. But also it's, it's, it's a way to, it's another marketplace. It's, it's, it's a digital space. It's, it's digital. If you want to get an easy way to collect NFTs, also, if you want an easy way to play, play to earn, I have to say. The play to earn isn't that exciting anymore in the sense that you have to invest to earn money out of it. And you have to play a lot to really get your money's worth. But from an investment perspective and, and the gameplay, I really love the gameplay. I really love the design. I mean, let's just open up mine as well. Just the way this, this opens up, the well opens up. It's like, yeah, I, I really get, I really get excited. For for the back. So I'm not sure. Yeah, my screen is my screen is stuck. Right, my share screen is stuck. So this is one of the the downsides of having not the greatest internet connection. Well, is, is it the internet connection, or do you need to upgrade your MacBook? Yeah, I probably have to upgrade my MacBook as well. So I guess we're gonna wait for this one. I'm probably going to open up the other pack first. Oh, 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 this doesn't look good. Yeah. So I think I'm going to stop sharing for a second. And do you want to do the NBA top shot first or the Godson Jane first? Up to you. I, I think you, you'd go first. Or wait, the, the NBA top shot was a special one. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's pretty yeah, special. Yeah. Let's save that yes. one for the end. I'll At least 90 up. bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'll pop up uh, my Gods Unchained. So yeah, Gods Unchained, another card game, trading card game on the, in the crypto space. And just a brief recap. So Splinterlands is on the Hive blockchain. Gods Unchained actually runs on Ethereum on the second layer token on Immutable X. So if you're familiar with Hearthstone, a very popular trading card game by Blizzard back in the day, it is based on that, the, the core concept but you can actually now trade your cards to earn money. And they actually have a campaign going on now. They are in the beta version and with a defined order pack. So I went ahead, but there's still some supply left. Pack is around 250. So if- So I wish, should get one. Okay, okay. I should probably get some. Go quickly here to, yeah, 250. And they have kind of a discount as the pool becomes smaller. So. There's 23% supply remaining. And you know, if you want guaranteed, you pay more, of course, but I, I just bought some rare packs and let's see what we get. And here we go. How does this uh, opening graphic compare to Splinterlands? <laughs> so do we go from left to right or right to left? Okay. So as you can see, the top left is describes for what, you know, God or domain they belong to. So this is a light card yeah. and this is a rare light card. So you have common. Oh, the one mean? So this, this is a relic. This is a yeah. weapon that you can equip by your God. So this is the damage it does. And this is how many uses it has. As this is kind of more of a utility-based weapon, when you use it, 
uh, you kind of attach a buff or debuff on a opponent's card that lasts for eight turns. So there are some similarities in it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. It is a trading card game at its core, but the, the, the gameplay is completely different. Oh, a second okay. uh, rare. Ooh, nice. So at the end of your turn, if your friend's 12 this card is in your hand, give it plus two, plus two. So basically this card would get stronger every turn if you get to the friendship state. A nature card and another warrior card. So we got... So yeah. two rares. That's not bad. Two rares. It's not bad at all. So when I look at it from a design perspective, I feel I really, I really love I really love it. Yeah. It, it took a while for me to get used to this uh, the first time I saw it, but then... I think it's kind of like a frequency bias. The more you, you engage with it, the, the more you appreciate it. So I think that's what, what happened to me. But what got me was really the core gameplay mechanics that made it really fun. Okay. So I'm quickly gonna have to share what I got. Because from, for some reason, my pack didn't open and I now have to guess <laughs> what I opened up. So that makes it a little difficult. But what I can share is actually this pack, I got two epic cards. So I do quickly want to share two epic cards that I got. I didn't get any gold or like Diego who got some gold from it, but I did get two epic cards. So if I got to go to epic, this one, I didn't have this one in my collection. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, it's a very, very epic water card. It has three magic, which is pretty strong and also uh, very strong health. So I didn't have that card in my collection. I also didn't have this card in my collection either. Uh, oh, uh, scabbard yeah. I got this one as well, right? Yeah, you got this one as well. So those are two pretty cool cards that I got out of this brand new collection. Unfortunately, I can't see all the cards. So that's a bit of a bummer, but pretty, pretty cool. I feel it's pretty cool. I like the designs, the lores, the lores are pretty good as well. So I think that's for me the interesting part. So Gregory asked, what did I miss? Well, we're opening packs now. We're basically opening packs, uh, of our favorite NFT games and collectibles. And what I'm actually going to open up now is not a pack that's to be taken very lightly. I actually have a rare NBA Top Shot pack that I just managed to get earlier today. So you want to quickly share some more, more cards, Diego? Oh yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm actually opening up the marketplace to show you how kind of that works. It's on immutable to control. And speaking of to control, this is also the platform that Gary P's book is going to come, his book games. Oh, so he's going to launch his game on this platform as well. So quickly, I have to know, do you have to pay gas fees? So once, once it's on the layer two, the immutable yeah. uh, chain, you have no gas fees. If you want to transfer from layer one to layer two, you do have to pay the gas fees, but they recently just last week implemented MoonPay, which you can directly deposit money on immutable X by avoiding oh. gas fees. Oh. Yeah. So that was a nice addition. Okay. So just to show an indication, these are like 
cards that have been recently listed. These are the diamond cards. And these are the prices they're going for, like the rarest cards. Yeah. Like 200,000. And people actually trade this. So the, the cards that you've just gotten. Yeah. So if, if you go to my account, basically, this is just an estimation value. So I've been okay. playing this game for uh, seven weeks now. Uh, I did buy some cards. Let's say I bought about a hundred dollars worth of card, but most of them have been like free to play from weekend rewards. So my collection is worth about $380 worth of cards. And you can actually, you know, sell them to show some activity. I sold some cards here, you know, $4, $5, and then bought some cheap cards for two cents, six cents, which I didn't have in my collection yet. So th that's kind of uh, the exciting thing about the, the marketplace. Okay. I'm quickly going to have a look as well with my Splinterlands collection, but it's worth currently worth, but it's also a collection that I have, I have no idea how much I should track more carefully how much I put into it, but it's just because it's all bought with Hive. I've kind of neglected on, on keeping a better view of, of everything. Yeah. One, one so you're, of those days, it kind of, you know, makes that threshold figure about, oh, I spent like $200 on that. <laughs> there are a lot of memes going around with NFTs. Like there are people like paid $500 for an NFT and they're like, oh yeah, okay. And then when you have to pay that electricity bill, it's just $50. They're like, oh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> just the okay. gas fees and material. <laughs> so, so my biggest NFT collection is actually a sports collection. It's a basketball collection of NBA moments and NBA Top Shot is a fully licensed collectors yeah, platform, which has collections of NBA players and WNBA players. This is kind of what my pack uh, overview looks like. I actually have quite some packs now that I can actually open up, but I'm waiting for the right time, which could be in five years time that I decide to open all these packs up. Some of them I'll open up during this season. Some of them I will remain keeping them closed. I think it's pretty cool to have a, still have a closed pack, like in five years time. And I kind of carefully selected which packs I wouldn't mind that I have to open them in five years time and the value wouldn't completely be gone in five years time, because that's also a risk that you might run into. But I have been active on NBA Top Shots since I think March. I came really at a bad time. A lot of people that got into NBA Top Shot at the time that I jumped in kind of are down, like in, in investment wise, in like how many they paid for the cards and how much the cards are worth now. For instance, when I joined NBA Top Shot, I wanted to get into my first pack collection. And back then I had to at least have three moments and those three moments, cheapest one went for 20 bucks. Like I wasn't able to buy anything under 20 bucks. And the cheapest cards now go for one to $2, but these are like high serial numbers. So to give you an idea, the pack that we're going to open up, one of the cards is actually a one. One of the moments is a very rare or a rare moment, which there are less than a thousand of in the world. So basically I own a moment that, that there's only just less than a thousand of those moments. Whereas, uh, the other four will just be moments that have addition of 60,000. So there's 60,000 of those similar cards. So of course the $60 cards, they're not worth that much. 
Currently, they go for two, three dollars, but there are some interesting ones. Players that are now rookies, they're in the first season, or cards that have a very high value because of the type of player that's that's in the moment. But there's this one rare moment in the pack as well. So we're going to open one up. I just got really lucky because you don't always get drawn for a pack. I think there were around 30,000 people eligible for this pack and there were only 30, 13,000 packs. So unfortunately we're in a, in a closed group, a uh, friends group that collects NBA top shots. And I was actually the only one to get my hands on one of them today. So this is a premiere. I haven't opened NBA Top Shot on Social Confos before, so let's let's see what it. This is what it looks like. And a uh, premium pack to boot. Yes, it's the release one, the first premium pack of, of of this season. There is also a legendary pack, but I wasn't eligible for the legendary pack. And the legendary pack, if I remember correctly, went for nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. And that's a little bit too expensive for me. So even if I was el eligible, I'm not sure I had that amount yet. So let's get into the metallic gold. This is my first metallic gold. Drum roll. Oh, they even got some music. Yeah, they got some music. So this is the rare. So we're going to open that one there. After doing this, I do gotta ask, what if, like, from a, you know, social, social, social science, psychological side, what is the excitement of open text? You have to, you have to, it's like, you're not sure what you're gonna get. So I'm pretty upset that my Splinterlands bag broke for me. Because you could see how excited I got for you when I hovered over and I saw like, oh, you're getting two rares and two epics. Of course, I already knew what uh, was there because my epic has like this white layer around it and then your rare has the blue layer and then the legendary one shakes. So if you open a pack to one of your cards shaking, you know you got it right. And then the gold foil, you can't pick that. So for every top shot, when you open up these bags, it's like, you don't know what kind of moment is going to be. So this is a moment by uh, Jonas. Um, and this is, I think, an assist moment. And so basically, you get six uh, moments from this bag. And these are all NBA moments. These are of games that were played in the NBA. And the quality, of course, now is a lot better because we also have moments from 2005, 2006. But they aren't as high definition as, as, as these moments. So it's kind of a, it's a different spectrum. And of course, if it's your favorite player of your player from your favorite team, it's, it's even more exciting as well. So I actually owe Jonas in one of my, or actually both my fantasy leagues. And he's doing great because Assign Williamson is out. So I get maximum enjoyment from Jonas's play right now. And I already, I think I already own a couple of these moments because I think I really like this moment as well. So any other questions before I put the music back on? No, just let's go through that experience. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's, let's put the music back on for the, for the next one. Welcome to the stream, Jager. Happy learning. 
We're opening some packs right now. Uh, and the top shot that from Jean-Luc. Yeah. So I'm basically stopping here because <laughs> he's got to be the last one. And of course, it's going to be the Vocali Gold. So, so far, we've got Jonas, Father Shunas, Ola Anthony, Jackson Hayes, uh, Jared Jackson, and Tobias Harris. Best part uh, so far is that all of them are 60,000. So, there's no like nine dollars for five or, or like, 4,000 cereal. Those are 4,000 cereals because those are rookies and that's their top shelf field. So, getting one of those is quite nice as well. All of them, as you can see, they have a 60,000 cereal. But the interesting part about them is that these are pretty low cereals. So they're all, uh, except for this one, they're around 30, 20,000. So that's pretty good. So what I'm hoping to land here on the final one is trying uh, low cereal metallic gold and hopefully a LeBlanc that would be really cool. Another uh, one that I do enjoy is Balls, Balls Bridges. So let's see the rest of the final moment brings us. The Golden State Warriors role of the Jordan Pool. This is pretty cool. This is actually a pretty cool moment to have. So Jordan Pool at the moment is what shall I say? He's never revelation. It's pretty pretty popular, of course. The uh, most well-known Golden State Warrior is the most popular Golden State Warrior is actually, of course, Stephen Curry. But Jordan Poole has been on the come up and this year he has been nothing short of awesome. I actually want to see this moment, so I'm a little bit disappointed that I don't get to see it, but maybe if I go to feel my progress, we do get to see the Jordan Poole playing. Okay, I promise to to make sure that it that it plays and that I get to show that moment another time. That I I might share it on social. I might share it as an Instagram story to show like what the moment actually looks like. Yeah. So that's yeah. I think that's the best way uh, to go about it. Unfortunately, I couldn't show like what what it looks like fully, but uh, at least I got to open a pack. A life on social consoles. We should do these. Uh, let us know if, if you enjoy this this kind of stuff. But uh, we certainly do. Yeah, I, yeah. Definitely on my regular Twitch streams, I do pack openings from Gods on Chain. So if you tune in there. Shameless plug on that. Check out the Diego on Twitch. But shout out your Twitch name as well. Yeah, the Twitch at uh, damn cipher D M C Y P H E R. But it is, it is an exciting time to be in this space, in this collect, collection space. You're, you're on mute, by the way. If, if you're going to plug, I'm also going to plug quickly. I'm also going to plug something. I, I, I'm leading into the hive plug. So you want to take over? No, no, I'm not. I'm actually not moving into the hive plug. I'm actually going to share the NFT giveaway account that I'm on Twitter. Because if you're seeing all these stuff and you're like, okay, cool, nice. You're opening packs from $90 and, and two and a half dollars. I don't have any money. How can I get in NFTs for free? Currently I'm giving away NFTs for free. Every, every, my... no, no, I'm just literally on Twitter giving away NFTs every day. I'm giving away three NFTs a day. It's, it's quite simple. 
if you go to uh, twitter.com slash gifting NFTs, this is actually my gifting, my NFT giveaway account. Um, I post here on a regular basis. I give away free giveaways and I just, if you want to read about it, you can read the pinned tweet. It goes into a lengthy uh, article on what I'm actually giving away. And I'm giving away every day up until the first day of Christmas. And I can already tell you that I will have on the second day of Christmas, I will have an additional giveaway because some of the winners are gifting part of their prize back to me for future giveaways. Some of them uh, are taking all the, the three prizes that they won, but some of them are like, yeah, I really did, did it for this prize. So the other two prizes are that specific prize. I don't have an account for that. So you can give it away again. And so basically every day for the past five days already, every day I'm giving away. So I'm quickly scrolling to the first day of the NFT giveaway. So this was day one. Basically I tell every day what I give away. It's in official. I also put it in the description. This is what you need to do. Like and retweet, follow two accounts, tag somebody. In. And then basically at the end of the day, I pick a winner and I just use a Twitter picker for that who kind of gives me the filters and then there's a winner. So every day I'm giving away three NFTs and every day we pick a winner. And so it continues on for 10 days straight. And I also do, of course, I do proof that I actually have handed over all the prizes. So from older giveaways, I actually quickly have to go a little bit to the previous giveaway, but from previous giveaways. I also list either in a Hive article who the winners are, or I just put the winners here in the announcement. I also a screenshot or show kind of the, when the price has been awarded. In some cases I do that on Hive, on some cases I do that on Twitter. So basically that is it for now. Awesome. So if yeah, I so here's, here's the right proof now. of. Here's the proof of stake that I actually sent the prize to, to the winner. So basically it's a free NFT account and you can win every day. There's three NFTs to win every day up until first day of Christmas. And of course in the new year, I will continue to give away and I try to give away something every week and it's really been made possible now by Hive due to the fact that, and I'm quickly also going to pop up the Hive block because basically that's how I pay for these giveaways now is that I tell about the giveaway. I write about the giveaway. So I'm quickly going to show you on Hive the blog. And this is basically where I tell what I'm going to do that I started an NFT giveaway account and the moments and everything that we're going to give away. And yes, with posting on Hive, I've actually earned this post, post has earned $35, half of it goes to curation. So that means there's a little bit over $17 that I made on this post and those $17 actually go into buying new prizes for the next, for the next giveaway. So the yeah. higher I actually, my reward on these posts is for the NFT giveaway, the more expensive, the prizes that you can win with NFT giveaway get basically. And that's, that's how you earn on Hive guys. Here's yeah. the hive block. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've, if you've been posting on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram every day for a year, 
And at the end of the year, Facebook's gotten richer, Instagram has gotten richer, and you haven't earned anything, please join us on Hive, create your content. First of all, you own the content. Facebook's not allowed to use your content for their commercial gain. But also, you get to profit from it. And Diego is going to show how much he's earning on, on Hive as well, which is increasing a lot. You're, you're, every yeah, post that you post up is, is getting so 50. That's basically, since I started playing, like, what is this, 25 days, about a month ago, I started posting on Hype again. And I've been consistently posting weekly and yeah, for four weeks now, made one, two. You have to four. be careful. You have to be careful, Diego, because you have consumed Pi's content for years and you're only recently starting creating content and you're in which it's really selling your content because there's nobody on. Or there are not a lot of people on live creating quality content in the niche that you are creating. So you're being rewarded for that. And I think it's important for people who are starting on. You have to find it and the community. Yeah. They don't need to expect that they are going to work for. When I started on Hive, I had made pens. I made $4 cents, $5 cents, suppose. $2. Yeah. Here's, here's the older post. Yeah, so you should also show them the special consoles, creative consoles, schools that get some traction, some get two cents, some get twelve dollars. But it's not like for every post that you really uh, that much until you find your niche, you get filmed for your content, and then of course things change. Um, and that that is one thing I do on the end: find a community and create quality content in that community. Quality. You should show them a post because it's not like you're posting like one cent. Yeah. So this is one of the posts, basically, basically just a recap with, you know, graphics, photos of how the weekend went, but just to show my, I'm actually in the lower average of, you know, the, that people are getting upvoted for, like people who write paragraphs and, you know, make whole tutorials, those are in a 200, 300 range. Yeah. And that's what you can see here. Like there's a tournament running now around now, it's like 270, 200, like a, a complete guide, 300. Yeah. So these are all the awesome. creators we've met on Twitch. But having said that there's opportunities everywhere, find your niche, try everything and see where, you know. So, okay. I quickly, I quickly want to go back. I quickly want to go back to the question, like, why are we doing this? Like, why is the social conference here? Because yeah, it's first of all, I want to have social conversations with people who are doing amazing things in the world. Not, that, not just straight out, but just doing amazing things in the world. And then there's the second, and you're going to hear me talk about this for the next five years. I really believe it with, with following the internet, with watching development with the rise of the web 3.0. It's possible for anybody anywhere in the world, including Suriname, to actually make a living off of these things that we're doing. Because we're doing this on the side. We're doing NBA top shots with the lens. We're doing it on the side. We're doing about something still on the side. It's not really our job, but just like influencer marketing has really become a thing in Suriname. I know a lot of influencers right now in Suriname that get paid more it's even per month for influencer gigs that people that actually work a full-time job get paid as well. 
And that's just a starting point because I believe that if you're a half, you're, you're good in something. And I really want, and I'm, I'm focusing a little bit more on Suriname now because I, this is a message that I want to get across for people from Suriname, but people from developing countries. When I look at people from Venezuela, people who are from the Philippines and how they go into Web 3.0 and how they leverage Web 2.0 to actually make a living out of it and, and also kind of build their financial freedom and financial independence as well with Web 3.0. Of course, you have to be good at it. Of course, you're going to have to invest time in it. But if you invest your time in it, if you're good at it, you will be able to create a living from that. And without having the hassle of being in the traditional space. And what I also want to say is if you're good in the traditional space, if you're good working for a boss, if you're good in a corporate environment, or if you're good in an environment where you actually don't want full ownership, you should do that as well. It's not that I'm saying like, leave everything behind, eat your job line and dive deep, in, deep into this. I think it's more important that you, if you dive into this, you really find it interesting. That's for me the most important thing. But also, if it's for you, you should definitely do it. But if you're like, yeah, I want to work from seven to three, eight to four, nine to five, that's my job and I enjoy that and that's what I want to do. Please keep doing that because it makes you happy. But if you're like stuck and you're like, I want to do something creative. I want to create more content, but I don't know how to monetize this. This is actually a great way to get started. If you want to know more about decentralized finance, decentralized communities, cryptocurrencies, but also blockchain technology, dive into it, get acquainted with it. Don't spend too much money on it. If somebody jumps up to you and says, I have this great crypto project. All you need a hundred is a hundred dollars. Stay far away from it. Please stay far away from it. Do your research first. And if you want to invest a hundred dollars, or if you actually earned a hundred dollars from this, then it's worth to go around something. I'm first, this is the first year that I'm actually like two years ago. If you said like, do you have a hundred dollars for an NFT project? I would have been like, no, I don't. Only now, after four years of creating content, I've built up enough leverage that I can say like, I can invest a hundred dollars into this without breaking a sweat and wearing like, okay, is this the right investment? Because if it went wrong, I lost a hundred dollars. So I think that's a very important step towards actually going into the space, not throwing up all your money and all your life savings at it and hoping that it, it multiplies by 10, but actually First, getting to know the space, understand how markets work. And then from then on, you can start doing stuff that's fun. I'd say start with the fun stuff and then extrapolate from that. Oh, you're enjoying this. You're enjoying creating content. You're enjoying playing this game. Oh, I can actually earn by enjoying this. And then expand with that. So, you know, work the other way around. But I think that's a great place to end this. It has been an amazing 50 weeks. How are we going to close off the year? And since we, we already know how we're going to start the year. Good question. I'm just excited. I'm just excited in general. And I just want to thank everybody for uh, being part of this. Everybody who supported us three are the guests, the people who've joined in, tuned in to the live sessions. You, if you're listening to this on the recording or on the streaming platform. Thank you for being part of, of social conference in 2021. 
and we will be back in 2022. Yes. See you on, let me check the day, January 4th. So, so let's close this off. Yep. Thanks for tuning in the live sessions. The recordings will be posted before the end of the year. So you can re-listen to all 50 episodes if you want, or just the ones that you missed on the website, confos.com. That's confos.com, C-O-N-F-O-E-S.com. Share with your friends and have a great year and closing. See you in 2022. Happy holidays. This was Social Confos. See you back. See you back the first Tuesday of next year. Same place. Bye-bye.